Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Can I just start the programme today by mentioning local families who are making the papers, I suppose, for all the wrong reasons and uh, making headlines and making our news bulletins. Uh, Firstly, the family of that little boy, the little toddler who has been left seriously injured. This was a hit and run that happened in Cork City yesterday. The little boy, just a little three-year-old, about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, he was struck by a car at Castle Meadows. Now, Castle Meadows is just off the ski hard road in Maham on the south side of the uh, city and as we've been hearing on our news bulletins all morning the car involved fled the scene and that car that was involved was a blue Mazda 6 and it was later found uh, abandoned. Now the Gardaí are specifically appealing to motorists, uh, including taxi drivers with dash cams who were driving in the Ski Hard Road and Castle Meadows area yesterday between half past three and half past four to please make contact with them. And anyone with information asked to contact Anglesey Guard the station or the Guard the Confidential line on 1800 111. But we think of that little, little, tiny little three-year-old boy who we know has since been moved to Children's Hospital in Dublin and please God let him make a speedy uh, recovery but our thoughts and prayers with him and with his family and then the all the other very sad story out of Cork out of the Cork University Maternity Hospital and this is to do with a mother who was found dead on the floor of her hospital room with her newborn baby underneath her. Now at the moment they're looking at one possibility being investigated is that she had some kind of a medical episode and it caused her to fall out of the bed because she'd been checked. She's a mother, she's a, she was a young mother in her 30s and she, uh, she was in a room, in a single room on her own so obviously nobody has witnessed what happened happened at about 7am yesterday morning. She'd been checked by a nurse. Everything was okay and you know whether she was at that stage starting to breastfeed. But then it was about an hour later the doctors were doing their rounds. So about 8 o'clock yesterday morning you know as the doctors do they go from bed to bed. They go from room to room and when they walked into the room they found this mother lying on the floor with her baby who was born at the weekend underneath her and unfortunately she had uh, passed away and the, the little baby it has been it was seriously hurt in the incident and is receiving emergency treatment in the hospital as well. So thoughts and prayers 
with that family. That's just such a dreadful, dreadful tragedy that that young mother um, has passed away and let's hope that the little baby makes a full recovery. And another local story and a local person who's making the papers again, and I'm sure he'll feel for all the wrong reasons, is Cork East Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Kevin O'Keefe. And this is the story that is linking Kevin O'Keefe to John Delaney of the FAI. Now there's lots and lots in the papers obviously about John Delaney at the moment, but the story making the front page of the Star is to do with the fact that Kevin O'Keefe managed to secure a pair of tickets to last summer's World Cup final and he got the tickets from John Delaney. Now he didn't get the tickets for free, he paid for the tickets and as you would expect, tickets to a World Cup final do not come cheap. They were €903 each. Now there's nothing to to speculate or to say that Kevin O'Keefe, you know, got them for free. He paid for the tickets, he paid for his own plight, he paid for his own accommodation. He's obviously a soccer fan and he went off with a friend and he went to the World Cup final and who wouldn't want to go to the World Cup final if you could secure a pair of tickets. But I think it's the optics of this story that's not looking good because Kevin O'Keefe is part of the Oireachtas Sports Committee and that's the sports committee that John Delaney and other members of the FAI will be going before next month. And, you know, and the reporters in this particular story are saying, um, you know, does... um, the fact that John Delaney managed to secure these tickets for Kevin O'Keefe, does it raise any kind of an issue about Kevin O'Keefe being part of the Oireachtas Committee that will quiz John Delaney next uh, month? So we put a call through to Kevin O'Keefe. We were expecting a callback. We've got a callback. Do we have a response? We do. Hang on now. Um, do we have a response from... Let me, I'm scrolling down. Oh no, you're only typing at the moment. John, John Paul is speaking to him. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so we're hoping to have Kevin on the programme today because I will be interested in getting his thoughts on that particular story. Now, also on the uh, coming up on the programme today why some people turn down council houses this, these are council houses that people have bid for and that they want you know there's this choice based uh, letting system that was introduced a number of years ago uh, to the council and it does seem on paper a very fair system you log on to the internet you keep a lookout for houses that become available and if a house becomes available in an area where you'd like to live then you say, you know, you put your name forward and you bid on the house and say, yeah, I'd love to live in this house. And then the council allocates uh, the houses. And, and I don't know how many people bid on a particular house, but obviously there will be more than one person would bid. And I don't know what the criteria is, who gets selected. But anyway, the council make that decision and then they offer the keys uh, to the person, bearing in mind that the person has put in a bid they've put in that they would like to live in the house and it seems there are still a percentage of people who go through all of that process and then when they get the phone call or they get the letter to say you've been successful you've we're giving you the house they say no we don't want the house which doesn't make any sense at all to me if you're bidding on a house then you want the house why would you suddenly when it gets allocated to you why have you changed your mind and obviously that's very unfair to the other people who would have bid on the house who dearly wanted it and it's delaying other people getting into the, to that house so we're going to be talking about that on the programme today we're also hearing from a mum who's contacted us from the Balancholic area her 20 year old son and his mate were out walking in the Balancholic area 
at the weekend uh, at about eight o'clock and they were assaulted, seriously assaulted by a group of teenagers. And she just wants to share the story and to warn other people that it can be dangerous, even at eight o'clock in the evening, for two men in their 20s to be out walking. You would think that they would be dead safe instead of getting picked upon by a group of teenagers who were hanging out. So we'll talk about that on the programme today. The people of Donnerill are rallying round to help a young family who need a little bit of a helping hand at the moment. Cancer, unfortunately, have touched this family and they need a little bit of support. And there has been an outpouring of support when a campaign went live, I think it was only at the weekend or late last week, when local people in the area decided, let's get together, let's help one of our own. And we are terrific at helping our own. We really are. It never ceases to amaze me whenever we get involved to give any kind of publicity to somebody locally who has, for whatever reason, needs a little bit of help. The amount of support that comes forward is is, it's just staggering. It's just staggering. So we're going to give a bit of publicity to this particular story uh, today on the programme. We had a call in yesterday from one of our listeners who said, can you help me, please? I have ants in my kitchen and she wanted to know, had anybody else noticed an increase in ant activity? in the last week, in the middle of March. You're thinking ants in March. I mean, if it was June, July or August, I mean, certainly during the heatwave, the wonderful heatwave we had last summer, we had a lot of calls in from listeners saying that there was a lot of ants around and they were having problems with it and they were looking for help and suggestions on how, on how to get rid of the ants. But I don't know if we've ever had calls in March from a listener saying having problems with um, ants. So I'd be interested to see has anybody else noticed ant activity and ants getting into your house and if so and you have a particular question or solutions get them into us please. But Rent to Kill are going to join us on the programme because we were getting that call in and then lo and behold we discovered that Rent to Kill have seen a 35% increase in the number of call outs for rat infestation during January and February of this year and there's a 35% increase over last year and over other years so they're seeing an increase and this is, is this is nationwide and Cork I think was the second highest area I think Dublin was the highest followed by Cork for call outs to do with rat infestation so we'll get words of advice from rent to kill as to what we can do to keep the rants the ants out of our house I mean the ants in the garden I don't know do they do harm when they're in the garden if they can you know live away peacefully in the garden leave them alone but it's when they come into the house and the idea of having ants running around your house just no, uh, something none of us uh, like and then Joe Heffernan joins us in the final hour of the programme and today we are dealing with with kids anger and teenage anger we've been discussing anger on the programme and how to control anger and if you're living with somebody who suffers with anger uh, with anger issues and people that can get very aggressive and last week when we were when we were having our chat with Joe somebody rang up and said what about teenagers what about children that can get very angry how do you deal with that and how as parents do you hold your cool and how do you control your own anger from bubbling up if a teenager is roaring at 
at you. How do you calm the whole situation? So we're going to look at that today on the programme. Talking of ants, the Douglas listener says, I don't have any ants in my garden, but I have a lovely crop of bluebells in the merry month of uh, March. And I assume that those bluebells are out early. And certainly with the climate change going on and the milder winter we have received there's a lot of activity in the garden earlier than normal, that's for sure. Uh, by the way, John Paul has confirmed that Kevin O'Keefe, Deputy, Dáil Deputy Kevin O'Keefe, has, we've made contact with Kevin and he is going to join us on the programme after 11 o'clock today uh, to talk about the story that's making the front page of The Sun today that he managed to secure a pair of tickets to the World Cup final for last July and he got them through John Delaney. I think the story was that they were out socialising and Kevin O'Keefe decided to ask John Delaney as the head of the FAI in Ireland any chance of tickets to the World Cup final and John Delaney said I'll see what I can do and got back to him and said you have a pair of tickets but they he did pay for them that's all above board 903 euro each for the tickets and Kevin and a friend went and then they went on to pay their own flights and accommodation there's nothing nothing untoward about that but it is the very fact that Kevin is a member of the Oireachtas Sports Committee which is the same committee that's going to be quizzing the FAI, FAI, including John Delaney next month, the people are saying it's the optics of it. It doesn't look good. It's like I, it's like I scratched your back, you scratched my back. Can you do a favour for me there? I'm looking for tickets kind of thing. And people just think the optics of the whole thing. So anyway, we're going to talk uh, with Kevin uh, after 11 today. Paul says, hi Patricia, those politicians are definitely overpaid. The fact that they can hand over €903 for one ticket for a World Cup final and all of us screwed by that and taxes, says uh, Paul. And actually a couple of other people were saying as well, look at the price of that ticket. Seemingly actually in that piece in the sun today, Day. Kevin O'Keefe makes the point if he was an African politician he'd have been able to get the, t- the tickets cheaper. If he was in South Africa, say Mozambique he wouldn't have been paying the same price. It's cheaper to buy a ticket to the World Cup final in Mozambique than it is in Ireland. No, I don't know. It's not one set price on the ticket to get into the World Cup final. I don't understand. It varies from country to country. I, I have no understanding of that at all. And of course, FAI workers have come out and are now calling for clarification as to the association's financial arrangements with the former now former Chief Executive John Delaney and the accountability of the board. I heard this yesterday. It was the SIP2 members who were employed by the FAI. They are really angry because they all were forced to take pay cuts at a time when the FAI was paying €3,000 a month on rent on top of John Delaney's salary of €360,000 per year. And obviously the workers at the FAI were told you know, a very precarious financial situation at the moment. Everyone has to take a pay cut. They did take a pay cut. They took pay cuts of between 10 and 15%. You know, believing that they were doing it for the better of the association because the association uh, was short on cash. But what they didn't know, at the same time, while that was going on, the association was paying 
€3,000 a month rent to John Delaney and of course that has only come out uh, recently so SIP2 members very very annoyed and they are calling on the FAI to immediately make a statement on its exact financial arrangements with John Delaney and obviously politicians are also seeking clarification for the financial arrangements. The Health Minister Simon Harris he was quizzed yesterday about it. Now he said he wouldn't like to see public funds withdrawn from the FAI because there has been some calls in some quarters for the public funds to be withheld from the FAI. Simon Harris said no I wouldn't go that far but he did admit there was very serious questions for John Delaney and more broadly the FAI to answer. He says these questions go to the very heart of good governance and he's sure that the Oireachtas Committee will ask those questions and in a fair but robust way. Uh, John Delaney of course is now the newly created post of FAI Executive Vice President and he'll lead the FAI delegate to appear before the Oireachtas uh, Committee. I think it's um, the April 10th. I'm, I'm sure that's the, the, that, that date sticks in my head because it's my birthday. I'm sure I heard it thinking I'll be looking forward to my birthday and John Delaney and the rest of the FAI will be dreading that day uh, coming. Anyway, we will update you more on that when that uh, happens. This is the Court Today replay on C103. A North Cork councillor says people that turn down social housing offers deserve to be banned from reapplying for one full year. Councillor uh, Franco Flynn uh, joins me to explain why he feels this system is fair. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. Uh, And you're welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose, firstly, start with uh, what reasons, generally speaking, do people give for turning down an offer of a house? First of all, we we got some of the reasons. Why a lot of the reasons would be personal, because they'd be on the file, and as everyone knows, um, um, and housing applicants file with Cork County Council is personal and is private. But some of the reasons we're giving is they didn't know where the where the house was situated. They didn't know if there was facilities there. They they thought to suit them, then they decided to change their mind. Uh, I f- I find that a bit unreasonable because we call it the CBL system. It's a choice based taking system that was brought in about a year and a half ago. It was on a trial period for sisters in Limerick City and County, and it worked very well. So it rolled out throughout the whole country. And, and it, it, I have to say, it seems like a very fair system. It's an exceptionally fair system. The most important thing is it speeds up the process. Uh, because in the old system, Patricia and listeners, uh, if a house became vacant, every single file had to be looked at. Because of the, um, uh, of, of, if we're on the housing list, every single file. Now, the council only deals with the people who are interested in the house. So just say if there's a house inside in the town, say like Mitchell's down up in my any community like Mallow, uh, the house goes up on the CBL on a, uh, Wednesday morning, 9am. Up on the website. Uh, up on the website. Yeah. The, the photograph goes up. Uh, the type of house, what is one, two, three or four bed. Whether there's heating, gas, or a stove. Whether there's a garden. Where, where the full address goes up. A photograph of the house goes up. And more important, actual fact, the air code of the house goes up. So then uh, that house stuck for a full week. So the applicants have a full week to look at it. Also, they can make a decision where they apply. They can actually go and see the house. They know what it is. They have the air code. So then also, if they are uh, showing interest in the house, right, every applicant now in the housing system uh, qualified has a PIN number. And only that they can use that PIN number. So then they can pick on and uh, show an interest in that. Now, and there, as you say, they have a week to decide. It isn't that it no. goes up for an hour no. and you have to make your mind up there and then. You have a full and, week. And, and, and Patricia, I have, I, and further information, found, if someone uh, shows an interest in on the Thursday or the Friday, they have until the following Tuesday, actually, in order to buy the housing section, the Cork County Council 
we wish to withdraw on that, and that's taken into account. Which is so how, lovely. therefore, when someone gets allocated the house, can they come back and say, oh, sure, I didn't know it was, it's not near my school? I find it very, very, very difficult. Now, also, Cock County Council, at that stage, will even listen it. If there's a special reason, if there's someone sick in the family, if there's a bereavement, if there's, for other reasons, if they didn't get back to the council in time, Cock County Council is, is reasonable. We as councillors will also make representation. But the big thing here is, we are trying to get houses. In actual fact, this is just one question. There are 543 families now in North Park seeking three-bedroom houses. It's very, very hard in those. Now, Normally what they do, if there's a three-bedroom house of listeners and Patricia, the people who uh, qualify for the three-bedroom house, they'll only deal with people, first of all, if there's more than one or two applicants or three. Normally there's 50, 16, 18. Some cases we up to 400 applicants. One. Then, that's why so it's... All going problem. for the same house? All. You could have two or three hundred people. You might have only 10 or 12. Uh, how long? Okay, so so it's live on the website yes. on the choice based uh, website for a week, uh, yes. and then all the offers come in. The people bid. The people who, who who want who'd like to live in the house. How long does the process then take from then to hand to uh, making the offer? Well, normally takes uh, about it depends on the number. They only look at the files in that qualify for that house. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in, in some cases it might happen that there might be no. Uh, if a two, if a one bedroom house go up in an area and there's no one interested, they would then look at the people who might be on, on the list for a two bed. But say it, uh, how it speeds up the process is this: if you're dealing with people say for a three bed or four bed, how many call the council then got two doors files, and normally it can take ten to fourteen days. They speed it up. And then if the person, what you're highlighting, if the person then changes their mind for whatever reason, I didn't know where the house was or the garden isn't big enough or whatever the reason that they that they give. They, do they then have to start again? Do they have to they re- go? They go back again to the state. First of all, they have to get a letter in and writing that they won't take it. That that could take some people might be slow and saying that could take a week or ten days. They have to get a letter in that they're not that they're turning it down. Uh, uh, you know, the turning around period, of course, is a, a big loss for the other people who are on the housing list because if they knew in advance, they 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 they, they, they could say that they could pick a second person. The other thing is this less loss of income to the council because that the house is not being let out. And also, it's very difficult than the other families, and we have to go through the process again, and that slows down the process. Okay, it's it's frustrating. Okay, listen to this. This is coming from one of our listeners, Mags, to say one of the reasons for turning down a house is that the applicants are not allowed to see inside the house beforehand. I know, for example, of someone who bid for a house. She was a lone parent with a small child. She was toilet training the child at the time, but she found out when she got allocated the house that there was no toilet upstairs, only a bathroom downstairs. She was worried that her little fella might fall down the stairs during the night going to the toilet. Now, some could say she could use the potty, but this is 2019. The house was suitable for a family with older children. That could have been avoided if she was allowed into the house beforehand. It's a silly rule, says Mags. Now, when that information on that house went up on the website, would it have stated that the bathroom was downstairs? In some cases, it, 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 it would. But what I'll do now, I'll take it up to Cock County Council and future will show, because all our new houses now that we're building at the moment are being built for Cock County Council, have a bathroom downstairs and upstairs. That is a, a good and reasonable. And I've no doubt if that person contacted me, I could make a case to Cock County Council and they would listen to a reasonable request like that. They said they will listen to a reasonable request. As I said, it could be a bereavement, it could be an illness, it could be a, fa- a family problem that the council would be aware of. 
and that those situations would be taken into account. Because well, what you're talking about here is when somebody turns down the house, they then are not allowed to apply for another year. Well, that is the system yeah. at the moment. So that's what you're saying, that if but there was a special appeal. reason for turning it down, you're yeah. saying they can appeal? They can, they, they can appeal it. But I think the listeners out there, I think the people and the housing list, and like I said, and, and just for the one, just let the listeners know the situation at the moment, the housing crisis about. There's 490 under this for one bid. 666 for two bid. 543 for three bid. And 85 for four bid. We talk about nearly 2,000 people. Absolutely. So anything that will speed up the process. And families out there really, and I'm finding out at the moment, listeners, what's happening is the cost, you cannot get any faster rent, and the cost of rent has gone through the roof. They're moving back in with their families, and a lot of older people who have health problems where there's no room whatsoever. That doesn't lend itself to the proper bring up of that family, especially if they're doing interstaff or junior stuff. It, it doesn't lend to the proper education. So what we were doing, Cork County Council, we are speeding up the process as much as we can. And we have a tremendous housing authority in our Cork. The staff are absolutely working over me on the College of We've met about Jakarta. Absolutely unbelievable amount of work that he's done. And we've speeded up the process in the past year, year and a half. And most people will tell you that this system is working. Yeah, yeah but you're just I'm highlighting that the, it's it's 7%, by the way, people are asking how many people turn down houses. It's 7% of people yep. who receive an offer later uh, decline it. Uh, hi, Patricia, says a listener. Uh, who, who decides on who exactly gets a house on the choice-based letting system. I think it's not a fairly run system. There was a vacant house, for example, for years in Mallow and families crying out to be housed. The council did up the house only to have it allocated before it ever came up on the site. The family knew they had it when it came up for bidding. Families are bidding in the hope of being uh, housed. Uh, I don't think it's a very fair system. Do you think it's a fair system? It's a very, very fair system. It's working very, very well. Housing is normally decided on family income situation, whether on the house list or not, your family situation, the number of children, your health situation, such as a disability, the length of time around the system. Now, it's also now happened that you know, some, there's some houses in Cork County Council for all in our Cork, especially in my Midstones, which are designated for elderly people. Some would be normally one bit. Not, some of those would not open the system because they're, they're normally even out to older people in their own area. And they'd be normally awaiting this for those. Yeah, so so you wouldn't put it up on the choice base letting so, system? Some of those But 99% of the houses work. This, the choice based dating system is working. It's working well. We, 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 there was a trial that had done it, a pilot scheme, and then we, we've taken them both and talked to other cars. So this takes an offer. You must remember now in the old system, every single file had begun to. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a laborious, it was just taking way, way too long. But Frank, don't, don't we have a huge issue with the one and two beds, the smaller units? Uh, we need, the Cork County Council needs to be trying to secure more smaller accommodation units. In actual fact, I was only with Morris Manning yesterday for about an hour and a half in Cork County Council. I said, Morris, we need more one and two bed. Probably not more two bed than normal. And all, all our new housing stock now that's going to be built or acquired by Cock County Council on Greenfield sites which we have they're building an housing units at the moment in Pike Road for my they're building another one uh, out 28 for my up to about 110 houses they are going to be a mix of two, three and four bedroom houses in future we have to look at one and two bedroom houses that is the way it, that does, like I said there are 490 people on my list here for one bedroom houses some of those are going to be on the, on the list for quite a long time Good news, of course, and for my ears, and I got good news, I pushed this and pushed and pushed it. There's four singles, uh, one bed flat in Beachfield. They are being upgraded, contractors appointed. We've also a two-bedroom house in, in Beachfield. That's also been done, along with two, 
three-bedroom house. So we are making quite a lot of progress. And the most important thing people said to me, Frank, oh, the house is finished. We'll put it up in choice space taking and we will get it given uh, out as soon as possible. And the quick turnaround of the house is the most important thing. And of course, if a house is there for a year or two years, there's a lot of being put to Cock County Council as well. Yeah, you don't... I mean, gone are the days when you have a lot of vacant houses. And the other thing now, we're doing all our houses now before they're given out, they're completely retrofitted. The new modern latest technology in relation to insulation. As someone's family said to me the other day, Frank, I'm delighted with my new house. I can't know with daily heating. In all new houses, there's air to water, underfloor heating is going in. The stove is going in, going in quite a lot of them. They're the new modern technology, the latest um, technology, you could say, in relation to house insulation. And it's only right that our housing stock is part of the, of the standard. We're also carrying out for the end uh, double glazed windows and, and new, uh, new doors and insulating the roofs and the walls. And in some cases, my houses are actually putting insulation on the outside of the houses. We're retrofitting doors. We're doing a pilot scheme at the moment. As everyone knows, there's quite a lot of our housing stock which will be quite old. They're not um, the, the double block as it was built years and years of the solid block. They're expecting to have an expensive uh, insulate. We are carrying out a pilot project of about 20 houses. And I have no doubt that will be a success. And we'll roll out to all houses then. As it's important that we would look after the good tenants we have. And we have many, many, many. They look after their houses. And they look after them exceptionally well. And so you right, the Cockney Council would look after their tenants as well. And delighted with that. OK. All right. But the big one is this, the the small-sized uh, accommodation. I mean, even the figures you're, ge- you're giving us this morning, I mean, about 50% of the housing list are people crying out for smaller-sized accommodation that we, well, that we just don't have. We've nearly up to 1,000 people now between one and two beds. And the other thing I want to say, Patricia, and I got bad news last week, because everyone knows, uh, we have a new affordable housing scheme now to rolled out in the budget to every kind of a cent where you can. It's costing 300 million, but by, behold, there's going to be no affordable house, we're told, in the Fermi, which sounds surrounding, like places like Damwell, Silver, Sandbox, Castle Lines, Watergate, Barcomer. And I'm very, very disappointed. I raised it again in Cock County Council. I've asked the manager, the chief executive, Tim Lucy, would you kindly look at it? Because the most successful affordable houses game we had in Fermoy was actually in Red Cali by board. It worked. We put in there 2001, 2002. It's only right and fitting that we have a proper mix of housing where it's social and affordable. Okay. That's a tremendous scheme, but I'm very disappointed with the 300 million allowed in the budget that none of this, there'll be no scheme as such. But I, as a local council, am not going to take this line down. We should have a, lo- a, a local affordable scheme in the Fermoy, Mitchell and surrounding villages. And I think we're not, we, as I said, we shouldn't take it lying down. But told them when he was there, it was allocated in the budget. So it behoves us as councillors to ensure that we will get a, a scheme rolled out for, for my Mitchellstown um, municipal area. And that is something. It worked in the past. I've no doubt it will work in the future. The number of people that I've been my list, these are people now, Patricia and listeners, who cannot get, um, they won't qualify for social housing and they can't get a loan from the bank or the credit union or any um, building society. And they're relying on Cock County Council. And, the, the, and I think the affordable housing scheme, these are houses built and Cock County Council own land. They work exceptionally well. These are families who want to get the house and, 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 and the housing ladder. It's a scheme that, as I said, it worked very, very well until the, uh, until the bad times after 2001, 2010, 2011, there was no house. And it's only right and fitting that we would have affordable housing scheme in North Cock.
Okay. All right. We'll leave you there, Frank. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us, North Cork Councillor Frank O'Flynn, David and Boa says, I'm living in a five-bedroomed house. Two bathrooms. It's in a council estate in Bohabui. I've contacted the council, but I'm getting no answer for them. I want to offer them my house uh, in exchange for a smaller unit. We hear of people roaring for houses. There's loads of amenities and schools uh, nearby. I'm looking for a spot, but I can't get it yet. But you see, David, you're you're caught in that problem, along with 50% of the people on the housing list who are looking for small-sized accommodation. It simply isn't there. It just isn't there at the moment. And I think if it was, the council would be taking the hand in all off you because a house of that size would certainly suit a, a larger family. But they don't have the accommodation to give you in order to for you to uh, move to smaller accommodation. And it is smaller accommodation that you are uh, looking for. Thank you for that. Um, and another listener says thought it was very unfair on that uh, woman who who was expected to live in the property with no upstairs toilet, particularly with a small child. She shouldn't have been offered that house in the first place. And that was Mags who was highlighting the case of somebody she knows on the choice base letting. She applied for a house saw a house go up in line. It was obviously in an area she she wants, but under the choice base letting, you'll get all the details of the house. You even get the air code so you can physically go and walk around the house and take a look in the windows, I'm assuming, but you can't get into the house. And Mag says that's what's wrong. The people who are applying should be allowed to walk around the house and get a feel for the house and see if the house is suitable for them. And Mag says in her case, it was a lone parent, a single mother with her child got allocated the house but when she went got the keys to go into the house she discovered there was only a downstairs bathroom there was no toilet upstairs she was toilet training her young child at the time and was fearful that the child would fall down the stairs so she turned down the house because she said the house was more suitable Uh, if the child had been older it would have been more suitable the only thing Mags that I would say straight away there is that child is going to get older. I know it will be very inconvenient while the toilet training part is going on. But, you know, those gates that you can put at the top of the stairs. I I wonder, was she was she silly to have turned down the house for that reason? Because, you know, as I say, that little fellow will become the older child that she's talking about when she won't have to worry about the toilet only being downstairs. Anyway, uh, somebody else has sympathy for her and, and uh, says it should never have been offered to her. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day and of course we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Okay, and a couple of people commenting on people who put in a bid for a council house and then turn down the offer when they're allocated the keys. Karina says, I don't get why somebody who applies for a house and then turns it down. It's absolutely ridiculous. They should be taken off the housing list, not just banned for a year. Karina said if she had her way, they would be taken off the housing list completely and not allowed to ever reapply. If you turn down a house, you clearly don't need a house, said Karina. And Mary says if the allocation is suitable to the prospective tenants' needs and is rejected by them, then a one-year ban is justified, said Mary. And suitable to the prospective tenants' needs Mary, would that include the person
person who wanted an upstairs toilet but was only given a downstairs uh, toilet, would you feel that her ban was also justified? I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Okay, Sinead's in Balancolic and uh, she's contacted us over an issue that happened with her son last Saturday evening. Uh, Good morning to you, Sinead. Morning, hello. Uh, Sinead, your your son who is early 20s. He's just 20. Just 20. Uh, Himself and his friend were out on Saturday evening. They were up the town, as we call it, in Ballincollig, coming on home. And they were almost home. A very large group of teenagers, boys and girls, started teasing him and taunting him. They actually are both musicians, so they have long hair. I put it all down to long hair. Um, It escalated into my son getting beaten with a stick or some sort of an implement. He's actually not quite sure still what it was and his friend getting punched around the head three times. And I just want to alert the local people that this gang thing seems to be growing in Ballancolic and that we need guards on the street. Um, the guards came quickly enough and did their best, but they told me straight out when we made the statement that there's only two of them following around 50 to 60 teens and they can't do anything, basically contact my local politicians. And I thought it was a serious thing to be told by guards. It wasn't a case of, we'll do this, we'll do that. It was a case of, we can't do anything. And I think that's and just And you were, you, you, were you at home, did, did your son? I was at home. And your son arrived in? Our family was there. His friend ran down the street to get us to get help. So it was close to your house? Very close to my house. And my son is often out in the city. He's a musician, a very good musician. So I was just warning him days previous to be careful in the city early in the morning, you know, when he's yeah, out. Yeah. And then he's almost home when that happens. And in, so, so family members, you, you ran out of the my house? My son ran up. My, my husband ran up and started shouting at them. But they were after dispersing a bit. The regional park in Balancolic is a beautiful place and mm. a credit to the council. I am very proud of Balancolic and I don't want to be giving it any sort of a bad name. It's a fantastic place to live, up and coming and growing, but we need guards on the street. And they're, the group of teenagers, did your, son, did your son know, were they locals? I would imagine they're local. I've since been to the two local schools yesterday and I must say I was never happier to go anywhere than into the two of them. They were more than welcoming to me. And I just described it in case said teenagers are sitting in their classrooms. This morning, yesterday morning. Were the schools shocked by what you they were telling them? They yeah. were. They were. They said the community guard is very good. But they agreed with me that we need more guard present around the town. It's a massive size of a town now. And we, we shouldn't have a situation of teens in very, very big groups. They should be spoken to before things get out of hand. How many like How many young people were there, did your son? And the he, first, right. he, my son talked about 15 to 20. Oh, that's a big guy. That's a big it's guy. It's ridiculous like that, that really they need speaking to at that stage. And injuries, was your son injured? He had a massive big bruise on his arm and um, and uh, the back of his his knee. And his friend had a nosebleed and that. Yeah, it's shocking. Frightening. Shocking. Yeah. He's a great young fellow in that he's been through a lot of stuff. So he he talked his way, telling them all to calm themselves and things like that. And he rang the guards himself. And um, he said he'd like to speak to the young man. 
and just have a chat with him. He said, Mom, I'm glad I didn't grow up feeling I have to go around like that. So. And was there one sort of ringleader, did he feel? Well, there was an older person, an older guy in the group, but my feeling is that most of them are young and if they're caught now and spoken to now and even if they could see the impact now what they've done, yeah. the stupidness of it and the senselessness of it and, um, you know, the wrong road, starting on the wrong road, it would be just... That's why you need you know, the presence of the guards to say, look guys, what are you at? Where are you going? They threw a bottle as well. And, um, oh. and how, you know, how many times have we seen very tragic incidents yes. of somebody getting a punch and falling yes. the wrong way and hitting the back yeah. of their head? This and and yeah. we've, we've yeah. you know, got, we've had fatalities. We've had people die. Yes. You, I'm just grateful and thank God was only minor injuries in the end but just the idea that that young those two young boys can do that and the guards are telling us they can't deal with it there's not enough of them and you, and your warning is to other well it's to parents watch out for your kids yeah these big groups and um, yeah and parents with and it's funny later on in the programme we're talking about anger issues with uh, teenagers parents need to talk to their teenage and we yes. were all teenagers and we all liked hanging yes. out with our friends and, and and your own son would have done that. Yes. Yeah, hang out with your friends. But yes, you absolutely. need to start talking to your teenagers about the difference between right and wrong. Yes. And respect for people and differences in people like we don't all have to look the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter racist, anything at all will set off these gangs, you know. You know the way it is but has it made off bravado, like you know I'm I'm proving myself yeah, I'm the big man I'm yeah, the big man has it made your your son I know it's only happened last Saturday do you think it's going to make him nervous when he goes well, out well unfortunately he's had an incident in the city young, when he was younger where uh, this complete freak thing really where he got a punch and he suffered panic attacks after mm-hmm. but he was a lot younger and um, he dealt with it. He, he He's a, ma- a young man who's dealt with a lot of stuff in his life and faced up. And he has dealt with that and got through that. And he's doing really well, as it happens now. He had a great week. He's a, He won the Battle of the Bands in the city. Well done. And um, he's had a great week and he's older and he's stronger. And he was already talking about taking care of his mental health when he came back to home. He's, he's better about it than me. Good, good. That's fantastic. So, That's fantastic. And tell him, listen, a lot of those things are isolated. The chance of it happening again is well, is yes. very is very unlikely. And uh, let's hope that by you going public and putting the message out there to people, Firstly, to warn other parents to be careful yeah. when the young people are up, but for other parents to talk to their teenagers about yeah. what they're getting up to. OK, listen, oh, okay. Uh, Sinead, appreciate your call. Thank no, you for that. You're very and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. And that incident happened last Saturday night, eight o'clock in Ballancolic. Know where your young people are and what your young people are uh, getting up to. And we are, we're actually on to the Gardaí who uh, confirmed that that incident happened. But, you know, isn't it alarming to hear Sinead say that when they reported it to the Gardaí, that the Gardaí themselves saying there's only two Gardaí out on the beach to cover Balancholic, which is a huge, sprawling area 
and the population has increased in that area in recent uh, years. And also worrying for the Gardaí to be saying to Sinead, get onto your local TD to try to highlight the issue in the hope, I'm, I'm assuming the Gardaí are thinking that, you know, you might be able to get more Gardaí out on the beat. Uh, and um, uh, we wish and hope that Sinead's son and his friend gets over that uh, incident and that nobody else has to go through something like that uh, themselves. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp us, you can to 086 to 103 103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. In the next hour, we will talk with Fianna Fáil Deputy Kevin O'Keefe about buying those tickets to the World Cup final from John Delaney. Uh, we also are hearing how the people of Donnerail are rallying to support one of their own. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I thank you to a very kind listener who doesn't want his name called out, which is, uh, which is fine, who was listening to the interview I did yesterday with Beata, who was telling us about the elderly man from Donnerail whose dog needs an operation at the vets and he doesn't have the money to look after the dog. And uh, Beata was putting out an appeal for people to help out that elderly gentleman. One of our listeners has been on to us this morning to say I would like to make a donation of €100 Euro towards the man's veterinary bill. That's a very kind offer indeed. Uh, thank you for that. And also while I'm giving out thanks, I've had a message in from Orna Coogan in Kildallery to say €3,189.14 was raised at their coffee day uh, in Kildallery in aid of St Joseph's Foundation in uh, Charleville and she would like to thank everyone who's been supporting them over the last eight years they've been running this uh, coffee morning in Kildallery in aid of St Joseph's Foundation um, and their latest one was on the 2nd of March so €3,189.14 has been handed over to St Joseph's so thank you to everybody who contributed in any way all of the shops who sponsored prizes and spot prizes and everybody who turned up on the day and that's from Orna Coogan and the other committee members, Margaret O'Neill, Kevin Flynn, Owen Ahern and Ellen Ahern. A great big uh, thank you. Glad to give that a mention. Now, the front page of the Irish Sun today is running with a story that the former FAI boss John Delaney secured World Cup tickets for Cork East TD uh, Kevin O'Keefe and they're linking the story because Kevin O'Keefe is part of the Oireachtas Sports Committee which is going to be grilling John Delaney next month. Kevin O'Keefe joins me. Good morning to you Kevin. Good morning Patricia. Um, You're making front page stories Uh, they say no news is good news though I suppose but now take me back how did the request for the tickets come about how did you end up in a situation where you were asking John Delaney for tickets to the World Cup final? It just happened uh, from the beginning. It just happened one night at a social occasion in, in the, the Dalian. I had to come across John Delaney with a few of his cohorts and he was with a few other Rockets members. And I just, as I progressed, I just hopped the ball and I said, John, if I want to go to the World Cup final, any hope of getting tickets? And he said, leave it with me. And from there, it, it, it we progressed things like, and I eventually uh, spoke to a friend of mine. I said, would you be interested in going to Moscow? And at, at the time, like, we were thinking maybe England might get to the final, and he said he, 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 he'd take, take take up the opportunity. So I, I contacted the BFI again, and they didn't think I was serious, but uh, they came back to me and said, Kevin, we're going to get two tickets, and that's how it all progressed. 
Okay, the World Cup final was on July fifteenth. Was it many? Yes. Was it many months, or was it weeks before? I say it was two weeks before, because we were very tight in time and trying to get flights organised and accommodation and organised. You know, Moscow being so busy at the time, you know, but we were looking to get flights organised and and accommodation. And that, and you paid in full for the tickets. Everything was paid for, flights, tickets, um, hotel accommodation. I'll I'll my own pockets. And it was they were nine hundred and three euro each for the. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I you know when I did put in the request, like I didn't know what the price was going to be, like you know, but they came through and we 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 had to pay from like yeah, yes. And were you surprised with just a couple of weeks to go to a World Cup final that you that John Delaney would be able to get tickets? Um, I suppose I I, I wasn't like you know um. Obviously, every country I, I assume would be allocated tickets, you know, um, for the, the, the like uh, on an inter-county basis. Like, you know, if, if Dublin and Kerry are playing, Cork County gets tickets, well, like, you know, so I, I, I just chance, look, I just chance my hand that we'll be able to get tickets. And Lord and behold, he, you got. And are, yes, are, 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 are you a soccer fan? Have you have you travelled to many other matches? I, I was at the European Championships in Poland not so many years ago. And have you ever gone to the FAI for tickets before? Yes, I have. And, and from that, yes. So, so is that a regular occurrence that Oireachtas members would use their contacts, uh, so to speak, to get a ticket? Well, I suppose it's, it's like any organisation. I've gone to the GA for tickets as well, like, you know, and, and, and other associations for tickets. For, for sometimes constituents would ask you, like, oh, you get tickets for you, like, you know, and so I, I duly obliged them and I did my best in where I might be successful, like. Have you managed to get all Ireland final tickets? Very bad, actually. Very bad, actually. So you're saying it's easier to get a pair of tickets to the World Cup final than it is to get a pair of tickets to the All-Ireland? Well, it, it, it looks like that, actually, yeah. yeah. Okay, this um, story today, obviously, the main reason it's been highlighted is because you are a member of the Oireachtas Sports Committee and you're going to be quizzing John Delaney and others from the FAI next month. The fact that John secures those tickets for you, and obviously you were appreciative, you wanted to go to the World Cup final, he got you the tickets, you did pay for them and all that, but you know, you're appreciative of somebody helping you out. Will it affect the way you question Don, John Delaney next month? I don't think so, no, 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 if questions really go, but I'll keep them for the day of the, the committee. Like at the moment, um, most of the, the party spokesperson, our senior spokesperson, uh, Robert Troy, is covering the issue at the moment, and I, I, I just, I'll take it back to his from day one. Like ever before, the, the Moscow came up, and I'm just uh, waiting for the day of the, we're going to the committee to meet him, the FAI, and John Delaney. Do you personally have questions for him? I would, of course. I, I would, yes, yes, yes. Are you are you taken aback with some of the detail that's coming out already? In particular, what a lot of people are talking about is the three thousand euro for his rent a month on top of a wage of three hundred and sixty thousand. He a well paid job. Well, as I said, you know, I'd be holding the questions until the day that the committee. Well, of course, it was a revelation like to hear these things, like you know. And hopefully, there is a forum that we can have an opportunity to ask the questions until the day as appropriate. And hope we get answers of 
step by step, explain the situation of whether it's right or wrong. Do the FAI have questions about this new executive position that's been I, I, invented? Is probably the wrong job, but this new position that's been uh, made for John Delaney. So, well, questions to be answered about that. I was thinking about it. I'm told them all is from the press release you know, that there was a, an independent um, um, consultant appointed to review the structures of the FAI. So we have to see why they come to this determination. Like, and, and maybe it was the question like, at such a time, this came out at the same time. Like, you know, I suppose that's the question you'll be asking maybe. But I mean, if there was a new role of this vice president, if they were deciding that they needed a new role, surely that job should be advertised or they should look around to see if there's anybody else suitable for the position? Good questions. Listen, I, I, I can be putting those questions and under the if, if the other members don't get in, get in ahead of me. Okay. All right, but you feel in no way the fact that he secured the tickets for you for the All-Ireland, it's not in any way going to infringe on your line of questioning at the Oireachta Sports Committee? No, no, no I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned about that. No, 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 no. All right, then, uh, we'll wait and see what happens next uh, month. In the meantime, Kevin, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Cork East Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy uh, Kevin O'Keefe. OK, some people commenting on Sinead, who joined us in the last hour, talking about what happened to her poor son and his friend two young men in their 20s coming home 8 o'clock in the evening and a group of teenage boys and girls by the way I don't know if I mentioned that at the time but in the initial email that Sinead sent in there was girls involved isn't that worrying to think that that level of violence against others and that girls can be witnessing that now I don't know if the girls were involved in the violence but they were were certainly uh, there but Sinead warning uh, to put the warning out to other young people you need to be careful even when you're very close to home and you think you're going to be safe you know and I thought when she said she's always warning him when he's in the city centre to make sure that he looks after himself but you don't think it's going to happen on your own doorstep and uh, unfortunately that's exactly what happened to her son last uh, Saturday night a lot of people very very uh, annoyed listening to uh, Sinead uh, some people using uh, language that Tess in particular can't use that kind of language on air but she says Hi Patricia that group that picked on those two young men are only I don't think I'll be allowed to get away with that uh, word uh, w- that they would take on you know that they w- that a group like that would decide to target two young men it's absolutely uh, shocking and a lot of people on, on that same view including in light of the lady from Valencolic whose son was taunted by teenagers for having long hair I'm aware of taunting and harassment by teenagers in Castletown Bear too so it's not just an issue that's happening in Valencolic says this texter the guard the station is barely ever open in Castletown Bear. Teenagers then, if they are caught and found to be in the wrong by members of Angarda Siakona, they'll only get a juvenile caution. More serious steps should be taken than just handing out a juvenile uh, caution. Yeah, I wonder is that, is that if the Gardaí could have arrested or charged some of those young people, are you saying they would get away with juvenile caution? Goodness me. I mean, they, they used in some kind of a stick. It may have been a hurley. Sinead's son isn't absolutely sure what was used, but it's left a lot of, whatever kind of a stick or implement was being used on Sinead's son. It has left a lot of bruising on him. So it was, there was quite heavy uh, heavy, you know, the, the whoever was using this particular instrument were, were giving quite heavy blows 
to Sinead's son let's hope he goes on to make a full uh, recovery now on the housing that we spoke about earlier on the programme we were talking about the choice based letting system and the fact that about 7% of people who apply to bid on a house under the choice based letting they see the houses go up on the website they decide yeah I want that house they apply for it and then when they receive it 7% of people then decline the offer and then that's causing a knock on delay for other people on the waiting list who would dearly have loved that house and could have been offered that house sooner and also point I hadn't thought about until Franco Flynn pointed it out it's also money lost to the council because there's delays in the council renting out the house and of course when the council rent out their houses it's money it's income into the uh, council it says what a joke about housing and lack of housing in the council and saying we don't have enough houses I know a young couple who are willing to build their own home and they can't get planning permission for fairly silly reasons and that's in the Wheeling area I don't get me started on planning whenever we do anything to do with planning we get a lot of people with with stories and examples of planning that doesn't work in somebody's uh, favour. So that's that certainly is nothing new. Hard to believe, though, in the current situation that's that is still going on. And a couple of people picking up on the woman who turned down the house because there wasn't an upstairs toilet. Now she applied for the house. And she was given the house. She was a single mother with a young child. But when she got the keys to the house, when she got inside the house, she discovered it only had a downstairs toilet. It didn't have an upstairs toilet. And when she was offered the house, she was potty toilet training her child at the time. And she didn't. She was afraid that the child would come down the stairs in the middle of the night and might fall down the stairs trying to get to the toilet. So she didn't take the house for that reason. And... um, when it was put, you know, when somebody, when the person who was telling us said, before people suggested, isn't, couldn't you always use a potty? The point that was being made was this is 2019, you shouldn't have to use a potty upstairs, there should be an upstairs uh, a toilet. Uh, Catherine says, what happened, whatever happened to a potty for toilet training? When I was being toilet trained back in the si- 60s, I didn't have an upstairs toilet and maybe didn't even have a downstairs one either, says uh, Catherine. And it didn't do us any harm. And actually, there's a number of other people saying the same thing. Cannot believe that that young mother turned down the house just because it didn't have an upstairs uh, toilet. Her child would have eventually grown up. She is now off. She can't now apply under the choice base letting for a year. She's going to have to wait a year before she can reapply for a house. But some people are very angry about the fact that she turned down a house for that reason. Some are saying she should be banned for life. That's She's not going to be banned for life, by the way. She's only going to be off the housing list for one year. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. JCB driver wanted for the North Cork area. You need to have a safe pass and CSCS cards. Vodafone in Bandon and Clonakilty, they're expanding their sales team. They have full and part-time roles available. All jobs come with immediate start. Bus driver wanted to work in the McCroom area. Full clean driver's licence essential. And a painter required for the North Cork area. Full clean driver's licence. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just call to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. And we're getting a big reaction to Sinead talking about what happened to her son in Balancholic with lots of people saying, well, they have great sympathy for Sinead, uh, saying it isn't 
isn't just Ballancolic. This seems to be happening everywhere. Kevin in Canturk says there's a job for the army. We should have the army out patrolling the streets at the weekend, particularly in towns where there's nightclubs and late bars. Um, you'll also see antisocial behaviour, teen discos, children getting on buses and their children getting on buses after the uh, disco. Vincent in Newmarket says there's no deterrent as the sentences people get, even the adults when they go to court following assault, they'll get at the very most only a few years and they're back out on the streets. When you leave home, no one should have to worry or be looking around for fear they're going to be attacked. But this is going on in society. There's a level of aggression in society that was never there before. But the problem is no deterrent and the sentences are simply not strong enough. We need zero tolerance um, should be imposed on anyone who is charged with assault. 1850-333-103. Now, the people of Donnerail in North Cork are getting together to support one of their own who is going through a very tough time at the moment and needs some help. Norm O'Brien, who runs a play school in the area, joins me with more on this story. Good morning to you, Norma. Good morning, Trisha. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, it's, you. it's a young mum from Donnerail, Helena Ryan, who sadly is battling cancer. Just tell me first a little bit about Helena's cancer journey to date. OK, I suppose um, in 2016, when she um, had her second child, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. At this stage, it was at stage one. But after a short time, it went to stage two. So she went through the different um, treatments and she uh, that brought her 2017 where she, the treatments were successful and she was in remission able to return to work she worked as a carer all her life um which she loved and continued to work and i suppose that brought us to december november 2018 helena found a lump in her neck when she was in the shower i suppose alarm bells rang again straight away went to her gp and she was referred to the cuh where she met her consultant who recommended a, a biopsy um in December, just gone, um, they got the sad news that the cancer was back and that it was at stage four. My God. It had, at this stage where um, she has lymph, it's in her lymph nodes, her stomach, chest and neck. But luckily, none of her major organs have been hit. Yeah, that's the good news. That's the that's real the positive part of this story. And like I suppose, Helena, she's unbelievable. She continued to work um, after getting the news that she had stage four cancer, worked New Year's Eve, continued to work, was hoping to work when she started her chemo in January. She was advised against by the consultant, but after a couple of weeks, she realised why she actually wasn't able to, because the chemo had a really, I suppose it had a different effect on her this time. Um, she was exhausted, really, really exhausted, and it affected her mobility. But the very fact, um, Norma, that she... Getting that diagnosis, most people would think, God almighty, I'm going to get into bed and I'm going to have everybody looking after me and, you know, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm certainly not going to worry about going out to work. She she sounds like a really determined... Oh my God, unbelievable, unbelievable. Like, and Helena's line would be, I'm going to fight this for my children and my husband and this is it, like, I'm going to fight this. And it is is her children. She has, Lainey is four and John is three, is it? Yes, yes. So they're smallies. They're smallies. So I suppose then she started the chemo in January and it um, it had many side effects, the main one being her mobility. So she spent three weeks in hospital last month going through different tests to see what they could do. So at the moment they've postponed the chemo. She's got an epidural which has eased it at, at some point. Now today she said it's, it's a, ba- a bad day, but yesterday she was good, you know. So what's the, What are the mobility issues? What's, what's wrong um, with her mobility? Just desperate pain in her legs. Oh, she got help her. 
so she's walking with crutches. And is that because of the chemo? Was that a side effect? Oh, yes, for God's sake. Side effect is the chemo. So oh. that's why they've postponed the chemo for the moment. Now she's back up tomorrow, so hopefully things, you know, they might have a different story and a different take on it. Yeah. Now, and while all that is the going on... The nerve damage in the legs, you know, from the, from the chemo is what has caused mov- mobility to be restricted. But the additional problem that this little family face... It's, it's their living conditions, Norma. They're currently yes. in a mobile home. Just explain why. Yes, and, and have been since, I suppose, since they got married and they've been chipping away at the house themselves. They're building a house, is it? Yes, Yeah. they're okay. building a house. So I suppose as a community, then we decided, OK, we all need to help here. They were, you know, um, Helena's husband had to take time out of work, obviously, to drop the kids to school, collect the kids, to help Helena. She was in the hospital for three weeks and he just needed to be there. Income is low, so... You know, as a community, something had to be done. So we set up the GoFundMe page to help with the house. The house is at plastering stage. Okay. Um, it will be finished this week, the plastering. Brilliant. Different local tradesmen and from beyond Donnerill have come on board, given their time voluntarily. People are, have been just amazing. A local kitchen company yesterday in Donnerill, OK, OK Woodcrafts, have come on board. They're going giving them their kitchen. Oh, God, how fantastic. People it's are just amazing. From last Friday, we've gone over 15,000 in the GoFundMe. I, I, saw, I saw that last night. I was thrilled to see, to see yes. that. And it's almost... But I think the local workmen getting involved, it's almost like your own little mini version of a DIY SOS. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and like the amount of people that have contacted and said, look, I'm not a carpenter, but I can do other things for you. Our local women saying, I can feed the workmen at the weekend that are working in the house. You know, people have been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's But, you know, I said it earlier, Norma, when it's one of our own that just needs... A little yes. bit of, and you know something, if we were to flip it, Helena would probably be the first one out there. Totally, yeah. so that's it, and she's all her life caring for people. Yeah. You know, so look, this is about giving back, isn't it? And yeah. And when there's young uh, kids yeah. involved, I think people are just amazing. So, so like how, local, when, do you, when do you expect to have the house finished? We would love to have a in in a month. Oh. <laughs> yes. That would be um, terrific. Loads of people have offered to paint, so I think they're looking at the weekend of the 12th of April to go painting. Okay. Um, there's local plumbers going doing the work for them. Now, we'd love, of course, if somebody came on board and said, we'll donate the plumbing equipment. That would be amazing. And the electrical stuff, because we have the tradesmen. OK, so we're looking for plumbing equipment for a house and the yeah. electric, whatever is needed electric. from the electrical point of view. Yeah. You have the electricians, you just need the actual physical yes. Yes. bits and pieces that you need. We have the kitchen. Yeah, um, that has they have come on board with that. Um, so I suppose it's just to, to get them into the house, make yeah. it more comfortable for them, make it more accessible for Helena when she starts back on her chemo. That you know she'll have more space. It'll be easier to get in and out of the house. There's three steps up to the mobile home, so it's awkward for her to get in and out. And I imagine if you know on crutches is difficult enough, but to be trying to negotiate in a mobile home on crutches yes. must be just hell. You know, that's, yes, and limited yeah. space, you know, and that kind of thing. And for the kids as well, like they just need it now at this stage. And how is how is she? How is Helena doing? You know, sure, she's brilliant because she's so positive. You know, her her mental attitude is just completely. She's so focused, and you know, she gets up out of the bed every day and gets the children ready for school, and she's just brilliant. And as you said, while I go off the shoes and the other foot, she's yeah. the one helping us. You know. And Declan, her poor husband, it's it's just, it's tough. It's really tough it's on tough. them. Yeah, yeah. a young couple, you know, two young kids. And like the businesses in Donrell have been fantastic in the different clubs and that they all have things organised. The Donrell is doing a 5k run. 
the local pubs are doing stuff, the chemists, the post office, the local shops. So, you know, it's brilliant that people are just helping out and it's brought the community together. Has it, yeah. It's, it's yeah. lovely when something like that happens. And I just think, you know, let's get them into the house. Let's remove any kind of financial worry. Yes. And then and Helena can just then. focus on getting better. That's what it exactly. needs to be all That's what it needs to be all about. And I hear local, the other local mums are great with, and, you, and yourself included in, in the play school at helping to look after the, the little, the smallies to give her a bit of a break when she needs to rest. Yes. And sure, look, everybody, like people, parent, different parents would say to me at school, that they'll take and they'll help and they'll whatever. So I'd get on to Helena and I'd organise and the lads would go on play dates and sure they love it. Oh, yeah. John and Lane are delighted with life because they're yeah, yeah, getting they're so, so much um, they're so fun. And, yeah. They're so young. And I suppose the other thing is the furniture. We need to get furniture for the house. We need to get uh, flooring. We need to get all that as well. Anything that we need to get a house up and running, really, isn't yes, it? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Now we have your details, obviously, that we can pass on. There's also the GoFundMe page, Friends of Helena. Yeah, and I people. suppose myself or I can give you um, my phone number and Tracy Fahan's phone number and if anybody wants to contact us if anybody can know, help in any way have come in with anonymous donations this morning somebody dropped it to Tracy and uh, check again this morning anonymous donation like people have just been fantastic and like that's from Helena and Declan they want to pass on that word like that they are completely overwhelmed by the support that they are getting from Donrell and the wider community. That's great. It really is yeah. great. And you're a good friend to her, um, Norma. Have you uh, been friends? Are you friends yeah. for long? Ash, we've been friends for a good few years. Okay. But like, the, yeah. the thing is, I suppose, you know, it touches everybody's home and I think there's only a loan of us all so if we can't help out yeah. somebody that needs us, you know, it's, we all, yeah. like. And we all need friends, particularly at times like this. Well done. We'll yeah. check back in with you again, if that's OK, Norma. Perfect. We and, love it. and the Duna Royal blog, uh, Margaret O'Rourke, is really good to put up different events she's that are doing, happening. She's great. Yeah. It was, just, it was month, Margaret no, that alerted me uh, to it. Yeah, she, she, yes. she runs a great website. OK, and uh, we'll share it. I'll get John Paul. We'll share it on our Facebook page uh, as well, the, particularly the GoFundMe page for people outside of the area who might like to donate. But if anybody, builders... Any yes. shops, furniture shops, flooring shops, paint shops, yes. uh, electrical, plumbing, whatever. If anybody can help yeah. us out. And if everybody just gives a little bit, you know, I mean, we're not asking anybody to do the big job. Anybody can help yes. out. Brilliant. All right, listen, pass on our very, very best wishes to Helena and uh, to Declan and to the children. And Norma, we'll touch base with you again soon, OK? Thanks a million for God bless. giving us the time. Thank no you. No problem. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye bye. Uh, that is uh, Norma O'Brien, who runs the play school in Donnerwell. Um, on behalf of her friend uh, Helena Ryan, it's just there. But for the grace of God, go any of us, and we and we. You just never know when cancer is going to touch your family, or your friends, or when it arrives into your community. But I think when you get a small little rural community like Donnerill or anywhere, it's not just it's just Donnerill is the example we have to see people rally around. And I think for Helena and for her family to know. That she, when she has that kind of support, she has her own battle to do in fighting cancer. But to have that support to make life as comfortable as possible for this little family, get them into their forever home and let them be set up and, you know, that they can enjoy their time together. And, and while that's going on, then Helena can focus on getting well. Uh, again, uh, keep her please in your thoughts and prayers as she continues on the battle against cancer. But let's get this house up and running uh, for them. If you want to help out in any way um, and you want to make contact with Norma, as I say, we have all of Norma's details. But if you want to 
help out with a donation you can go to the GoFundMe page which is Friends uh, of Halida and we will share it on our Facebook page as well to make it a little bit easier for you. 1850 John Paul taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp 0862 This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organizations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Yesterday we were contacted by one of our listeners, Onya Inkledov, who was wondering if other people had noticed an increase in ants in the last week. Anya has them coming into her kitchen via her back door. Well, Anya isn't alone because Rentakill has seen a 35% increase in the number of call-outs due to rat infestations since the start of the year. The man on the case is Richard Faulkner, who's technical field consultant with uh, Rentakill. Uh, good morning to you, Richard. Hi, good morning. Uh, and you? and you're, you're welcome. Is it unusual to have so many call-outs for ants at this time of year? Yeah, really, because usually, traditionally, especially January and February, it's been very cold. March will start to get a little busier, but yeah, we've had a 35% increase sort of nationwide, which is massive for us. So is that down to climate change? Yeah, it's because it's been very mild and quite warm. We had a nice warm spike, um, and that seems to have upped the insect activity in general, but especially with the ants. And obviously, we've got a great weather this week and the weather forecast I mean to get even warmer we're looking at 16 degrees by Thursday so we could expect more ant activity Yeah more insect activity in general yeah there's going to be a lot more ant activity and things like cluster flies as well will become a bit more prevalent I'd say Yeah okay and generally speaking insects don't do us any harm but it's just we don't like ants um, 
Well, the, the thing with the ants is that they come in and they forage for food and they become more of a nuisance, isn't it? Um, but technically, yeah, you can get bacterial transfer and stuff like that, especially if they've been outside and they might have been foraging on an animal carcass or something like that, and then they walk across your countertops and stuff like that. You can get bacterial transfer, but it's more of a nuisance factor with them. Than anything. How do we prevent ants getting into our house, into our homes? So the first thing is they're coming in, they're looking for food. So it, it's all about housekeeping, keeping things clean, keeping spillages and liquid spillages cleaned up immediately. And especially if you've got little people, I've three three young daughters, um, so there's always an abundance of spillages and crumbs and food in my house. And it's just keeping on top of the cleaning. Um, if we store food as well in airtight containers and stuff like that, um, and keep them up high up in cupboards, keep them out of the way. Um, if we've got pets, if you've got a, a cat or a dog or anything like that that um, has its food inside, then after it's eaten, it's just about lifting its bowl up and making sure everything around that's cleaned. But is there any way of stopping them coming in? I mean, it's, you'd have to seal uh, up the whole house, Yeah, you? so you're going to be looking at sealing up around gaps and stuff like that. Um, the thing with them is that they like um, quite well-drainable soil, so patios and stuff like that are fantastic because you've got sand in and sand drains really well and they can excavate it so it's just really looking at small gaps and things like that but if there's no food then there's no real reason for the ants to be coming inside it's all about the food that's what they're after that's why they're coming in that's why they're foraging they're after food and where would the ants nest be? Will that be in the garden more than likely? So, so generally, well, a black garden ant, Lacey's niger, the common ant, the one we're really talking about today, um, they w- have been known to forage for easily up to a mile for food. But generally, they're going to be in your garden. They're going to be in the soil, usually, as I say, a well-drainable area, aided soil with good sand content, or in a bank or something like that where they've got a bit of drainage available in it. They're an incredible creature. They can travel a mile. They're a fantastic little creature. And if you think in the summer when we get the big plumes of flying ants, that's them. That's their time of mating where all the local colonies will send up their young juvenile queens and their young males and they will then mate on the wing. And that, that's how it all starts. Now those flying ants I don't like. <laughs> they oh. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to scratch now the very fact that we're even talking about it and, oh. and their, their whole purpose is just to go up into the air and mate to start these colonies oh. um, if, are there any over the counter products we can buy to get rid of ants a number of listeners want to know um, yeah if you go into DIY places um, the likes of B&Q Woody's your local hardware store I'm sure they have um, different powders and gels and solutions that you can have a go at Um or just call out a professional. Yeah. And, and and what would you do if you called out to a house? You try to find the source of where um, they're coming so, in, is it? So I do. What we're going to try and find is the nest. Is the end of the day, okay. if you can take out the nest, then you can take out the colony. But it might be that we can't find a nest because they are travelling a distance. So it's them putting in the right preparation and the right measures to deal with them. Um, and we, we've got lots of different professional products to do that. And then you're advising people to keep their kitchen clean. And yeah, give them yeah, <laughs> advice on cleaning and sealing, which is it's the main thing. Okay, somebody's going to pick your brain now that we, we have you on from Rent to Kill. Any advice, please, for the good people of Aubain near Mill Street? We have mink in the area. Right, um, yeah, mink, 
is, is a tough one because they're an introduced animal. They're not a native animal, and they're generally going to be want to be near a water body, which you're going to have in Mill Street. Um, and then they're quite a major predator. Um, they like to take rabbits, fish, and they'll take, happily take your poultry and stuff like that. Well, sorry, um, listeners just saying they're actually after killing newborn lambs. Wow. Right, then what I would probably recommend is you can either um, try and get in a company like us, we'll have a look at it, talk to national parks and wildlife as well. Killing newborn lambs is, is quite extreme, but it, it can happen. So it, it's really looking to how you manage the environment around them. Um, it's going to probably be a trapping program, to be honest. You can, as the landowner, you can probably shoot, but it's not recommended. It's not going to be that effective. Um, and it would, again, depend on numbers and stuff like that, and getting down trail cameras, looking numbers, looking at where the runs are, trying to get them back to where they are living, back to their, their den sites. Do we have a lot of mink in this country? Um, yeah, we do. We have do quite a, a few. It's the American mink um they were obviously introduced the fur farms and they've been released and they've escaped as well. And um, because they're quite an aggressive little animal, they have very, very little um, natural predation upon them yeah. and very few animals that are going to want to try and entangle with them, to be honest, because they, they're quite voracious, they're quite vicious as well. Would they attack a human? Um, not really. Um, I suppose if you try to grab one, then it's going to defend itself. But no, they're not going to get to the point where they want to attack a human. What about that that animal that everyone was talking about last week? I know they it started here in Cork first, and then it's in, well, the sightings in Dublin. The the the, the cow poo, the, the big rat oh, with the orange they're, teeth. They're, so again, with this, generally any sort of big rat like that is going to be an introduced foreign species, or it's a misidentification of something like an otter. Um, again, without a sample. It's all a lot of hearsay. Yeah. All these things. It's like we had these. Oh, we're catching giant rats before, and it was just people holding the rats at arm's length in front of the phone, which gave it a bigger perspective than the rat actually was. Um, koi pew, if it is, then they're going to have to escape from somewhere. Um, on that, there definitely was one in Cork, though. But I'm sure it got trapped. Yeah, then, sure, then yeah. it would have had to. It would have had to been introduced or escaped from. Yeah, it did. Uh, it escaped from a pet farm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On that one, it's same. And you think with places like Photo, you've got the lovely Capybara, which are really, really big rodents. So quite few, just a, a lot smaller version of one of those. Do you think they're lovely creatures? Um, the, the Capybara are the ones in Photo. Are fantastic. Yeah, and the Koi the Pew in their own in their own natural habitat are probably fantastic. It's just when they get introduced into places they shouldn't be, then they become a problem. And the orange teeth don't help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it could be worse. It could be sort of black smoker's teeth, could it really? Um, <laughs> okay. All right. We'll let you get back to your ants problem that you have at the moment, uh, Richard. Listen, thank you for that. A pleasure as always to talk to you. Uh, no doubt we'll talk again. God bless. That uh, is Richard uh, Faulkner from Rintic. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Mink got mentioned in the last hour when we had Richard Faulkner, expert on from Rentakill, and mink seemed to be a problem in the Aubain area of Mill Street where they've actually killed, where the mink have been killing baby lambs, which is, oh, thought of that. Um, Amora says, keep away from mink. They are vicious, terrible 
animals. That's I, I, I assume was prompted by me saying, would they attack a human? And I suppose if they got pinned into a corner or you went anywhere near them with their young, perhaps if they were hungry or injured, keep well away from mink, says Maura, who also says Patricia. First, on the mother refusing the house, this was the mother refused the house because there wasn't an upstairs uh, toilet. If she is training her child, she should be with the child all the time. So she shouldn't be worried about the child maybe falling down the stairs in the middle of the night. What if there was only an upstairs toilet? What would happen by day? Get a stairs gate and cop yourself on, please, says Amora. Now, says Amora, how many calls do you get about dogs not being on a lead and the owner is always to blame? Where are the parents of those marauding teenagers who attacked those two young men in Balancholic? It's a very sad situation for the future of those young teenagers. I hope that the two lads will be OK and best of luck to Sinead's son, particularly with his music. That's from Maura. Thank you for that, uh, Maura. Hi, Patricia. I'm a Fomoy resident. And the issue I have is with teenage boys who walk around the town carrying hurleys with them. They have no idea of how dangerous a hurley can be. I've seen them hitting each other with them. They should be banned from being used in public, except when on a field or on a pitch. It's disgraceful. Someone is going to get seriously hurt. And that's the one thing with Sinead's son when he was being hit with some kind of an implement. It could have been a hurley. He's not 100% sure, but he's very badly bruised from whatever implement was being used, but it could have been a a hurley. And John says there are also gangs in the Mallow area, stabbings, drugs, drugs, assaults, intimidation, and the guards are doing absolutely nothing. That's from John by uh, text. And uh, Jim says, Hi Patricia, you've had two stories in the last two days. You had the guy in Newmarket yesterday that he's doing his business outside that person's front door. And then you have the two young men being assaulted in Ballincollig today. And in both incidents, the Gardaí were saying to the families involved, they weren't able to do anything. Yesterday, it was because of GDPR, Data Commission and all of that. And today, it's lack of Gardaí out on the street. So it would make you wonder about law and order in this country. And is it easier to be out catching people for speeding and drink driving. Uh, yeah, 1850 What are the Gardaí doing? Not enough out on the beat. And yet we hear of people being caught for speeding and uh, drink driving. And Heidi says, Patricia, two points on the gang business that you've spoken about uh, today. This really needs to be nipped in the bud by the Gardaí as just look at the gang culture in the United Kingdom and the killings that go on there. Now to the lady that turned down the house, if she lived back in the 1900s, most houses had toilets outside and they had a tin bath in which to wash. She really does need a reality check. And that's from uh, Heidi. And actually Sheila contacted us yesterday when we were talking about young people knocking on doors and I suppose it ties in a little bit with the intimidation of the the teenagers even though I suppose today's story with Sinead was much more serious but Sheila says Hi Patricia when we lived in England a gang of a half a dozen teenagers would gather on our wall and tease our donkey 
When I'd confront them, their language was absolutely vile. One day, I calmly came out and they jumped down as usual. But I said, I have a few jobs need doing, but I can only pay one of you. Who would you say is the leader of your gang? One little, she uses the F word, we'll use the F word for fellow. One little fellow put himself forward. At which point, I emptied a bucket of water and donkey poo all over him. We never saw him again, says uh, Sheila. God. Yeah, what people were suggesting yesterday to the man doing his business outside the door that maybe a bucket of water over his head might make him uh, stop and uh, think. Thank you for that. And this was an email. Was this an email that came in yesterday? It was. This came in close the end of the programme yesterday. I didn't get a chance to get to it. And this was tied in with Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. And one of the issues that Annalise covered yesterday was the issue of acid reflux and bad indigestion. And a listener says, according to letters in the London Times, the, the, the following is a cure of an, from an old farmer and a remedy for acid re- reflux. In case there's anybody out there who doesn't really want to go down the medical route and would like to come up with maybe an alternative way of ridding themselves of acid reflux. This is an old wives' tale, but in this case, an old farmer's recipe if you suffer from acid reflux. You drink a couple of pints of water, or beer or cider. It's up to yourself what you want to drink. And then you jump up and down 100 times. Apparently, this shifts the stomach down towards its proper position. One of the correspondents claimed it cured him, but he worried about his relationship with his neighbour in the flat below. I can see it from uh, Andrew, who sent to emailed us from Jim uh, League. So if you want to give that a chance, I, I, I would pass on drinking the beer or the cider, but maybe drink a couple of pints of water and to jump up and down. And you need to count because you need to do it a hundred times. And see, please, give it a try, would you? And let us know if it helps with your acid reflux. 1850-333-103. Let me be the bearer of good news for they reckon up to 100,000 extra people will be able to qualify for a GP only card because there's changes to income limits. Now these were announced in the budget. Yes the budget was back in October but they, they we were promised at the time they would kick in on the 1st of April and the 1st of April of course happening uh, this weekend and of course this is also the week last week in March as in from this week the 5 euro increase that was announced for the old age pensioners and other social welfare recipients when you go to pick up your money this week the extra five euro was there it seemed months away didn't it when it was announced in October it's finally right but there's to be changes also to the way and how people qualify for a GP only visit card there are also uh, reductions in the medical card prescription charges for people over the age of 70 currently they pay two euro per item that reduces from this from the 1st of April to 150 per uh, item and private patients who have a large medical bill every month they will also see a reduction in the monthly rate they pay at the moment they pay 134 euro that comes down to 124 euro but eligibility for a GP visit card which allows for unlimited free visits it is means tested but there's different income limits depending on the age your age and your circumstances and from the 1st of April the weekly income limit is going to be increased by 25 uh, euro and they reckon that's going to bring an extra 100,000 people 
into the fray and they'll be able to get a GPO-only card. And I certainly would know on this programme we would hear from people who were struggling and when they applied for a GPO-only card they might have been out by 10, 15, 18 euro over the limit. You know, not very much over the limit but over the limit just by a little bit. For those people, extra 25 euro on the income limit. It will make a difference. There are currently over, just over half a million people covered by the GP only cards. Now they they get their visits to the GP they still have to pay for all of their medication although more have GP visit cards than ever before. The number with full medical cards and on a full medical card you get the visit to the doctor and you get all your medication for free. That's actually dropped and that's the, obviously the reason for that is more people have been returning to work. There's around one and a half million people have a full medical card but that's down from 1.7. So with the so there's about 2 million people in total and families in total that have either a medical card or a GP only card but I'll mention it for anyone who in the last year or so if you applied for a GP only card and you got turned down and you were just only slightly over the limit I would be suggesting you reapply after the 1st of April because the income limits are going to be increased by €25. And to anyone on a social welfare payment, your extra €5 you'll receive this this week. And I just say, don't go mad spending it now. Just don't go mad spending it. Maybe treat yourself. Maybe put some of it away into savings. Uh, No doubt you've been spending, you've been since last October planning in your head how you're going to spend your extra €5 a week, but it kicks in as and from this week. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Blood transfusion service. They're holding a blood donor clinic, Middleton Park Hotel, today, 3 to 5 this afternoon. And again, again from 7 to 9 tonight, new donors are particularly welcome. Mallow Athletic Club, they're starting their Coach to 5K programme. Now, it starts this evening at half past six. They're asking people to meet at the back of the Mallow Railway Station. All are very welcome. And it is open to people of all fitness uh, levels to go along. Gala concert featuring over 100 voices will be held by Dohollow and Kerry Choral Societies in St. Patrick's Church in Mill Street. Now it's on Sunday April the 14th. The concert will start at 7 in the evening. It's Native Mill Street Community Hospital and tickets are available from local shops are on the door. Cork County Council with Falta Ireland will host a community workshop to discuss the proposed development of Dursey Cable Car and Visitor Centre. It'll be held in the Eccles Hotel in Glengariff and that's happening tomorrow between 6pm and 8pm. Um, there will be a coffee morning and a raffle for the Cork Simon community at St John's uh, College that's happening this Thursday from half ten until twelve and an auction in the Old Triangle in Raccoon that's happening on Friday night eight o'clock it's to raise funds for a storage shed and seating for the Tiny Feet Fairy Garden auction items include concert tickets rugby tickets signed Munster jersey jewellery gym membership and many more items now we're getting reports in of a protest that was held by asylum seekers at the Clonakilty Lodge facility where residents claim they weren't told of a visit to the centre yesterday by the Minister of State for Equality Immigration and Integration that of course is uh, Minister David Stanton Sinn Féin Councillor Paul Hayes says he fully supports the protest this morning and uh, Paul joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you Paul. 
Afternoon, Patricia. Now, were you aware that Minister David Stanton was visiting the Clonakilty Lodge yesterday? Uh, no, not not beforehand. Um, literally just saw the photograph uh, up on up on social media afterwards. So, uh, no, I, I think there's. Um, I don't think there was much uh, forethought or whatever. Uh, certainly, the, the residents um, in in Clonakilty Lodge weren't made aware of the, of the visit beforehand. Anyway, do you know the reason, the purpose of the visit? I, I don't know. Again, like uh, obviously, Minister Stanton has, uh, you know, that's that's part of his brief. Um, so I know local deputy um, Jim Daly probably had maybe a few engagements in the area and uh, and decided to pop up that direction. But it seems from from what I can gather, is it was literally uh, a photo shoot uh, because certainly that the residents uh, inside weren't given any opportunity to. Uh, speak to, to the junior minister and to, and to Minister Stanton and to highlight the, the, the issues that they have. Okay, the and, by, and by the way, we, we are emailing the minister's office just to find out what was the purpose of the visit and I suppose more importantly, why there wasn't an opportunity for the residents to speak with the minister. I mean, that's what seems, that's what the, the protest was about this morning. They have concerns. Absolutely. Again, look, I mean, th- th- these are long-standing issues, um, you know, for people that are, are seeking asylum, you know, for, for various reasons. They, they, they were fleeing persecution in their own countries over the years. But again, this direct provision system uh, in the country is, is an absolute farce. You know, people are kind of, you know, in the system and, and are, are waiting to be processed, essentially, you know, whether they're going to be given a legal right to stay in the country or, you know, if, is their application for asylum going to be turned down and they're, and they're sent back to their own country. But like, there's people up there for eight, nine, ten years uh, just living in this kind of limbo situation. You've, you've got whole families staying in, like, you know, single rooms. Again, this building in particular in Clannacilty was built as a, as a tourist hostel uh, approximately 20 years ago. But again, as I said, uh, soon afterwards, um, with the, 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 the asylum seeker um, regime came in. And again, um, just the property owners were, were, were given, I suppose, paid handsomely to, to take in uh, asylums and uh, asylum seekers. And uh, that's been the situation ever since. Again, as the, like I mean, people have have gone through the whole primary school system in in Clan uh, and and come out the other side, and and they still haven't uh, any idea whether they're going to be left in the country or, or deported. Uh, and it's uh, again, as said, like that, that it's just yesterday's or today's protest is born out of that frustration of being left in a state of limbo for years on end. And again, when when the ministers were in the area, you'd have thought that. You know, out of respect, they would have went in and 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 met the people and and see firsthand the conditions that they're living in. So that's, well, that's well very, very according according to Noel Baker in the Examiner today, there has been some sort of a committee has been set up by some of the residents, but it seems that the minister did meet with some residents. But that, to me, would make it look like it was stage managed by the managers mm. of the centre. The manager of the centre or managers, I don't know who's managing the centre were hand-picking who they wanted the minister to meet. Yeah, it, it, it may be the case. Uh, certainly the, the, the vast majority of, of residents up there, the, you know, um, and that have the placards out this morning and are processing or, are saying that they weren't given an opportunity, you know, to, to have the minister uh, come in and see uh, the, the way they've been surviving, I suppose, essentially for the last while. You know, some t- people think that, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice handy arrangement for people you know that they get 19 euros a week again in fairness and the, the, 
to the people in, in, in Clannacilty. Um, we have a community garden, you know, the, the, the residents up there um, have fantastic pride and they grow their own vegetables and things like that out, the, out in the front of the, uh, of the building. And again, look, they, they tie in with the local Tidy Towns Committee and all that. You know, so like they have been embraced into the community and, and they're very, very welcome. Um, but as I said, they, they, that, that doesn't change their own status. Like these, many of these people have professions. They've been doctors, you know, lawyers, all of this kind of thing, and had to obviously flee, you know, terrible situations in their own country. And they, they have something to add to our society here in this country, but they're not allowed to work or to to, to do anything in, in that regard. So as I said, it's just it's just been going on for years and years. But obviously, the the the, the kind of I suppose what you'd call a media stunt by the ministers uh, yesterday has brought the whole lot to their head. I, some of the residents have been in the Clannacilty Lodge for up to eight years. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, uh, I know young people that were that they were they were born there and they've went all the way through uh, primary school in Clannacilty. Wow. Some of them, some of them play, you know, in local sports with, with my own kids and things like that in the locality. And as I said, they've they've gone through years of of just living in in a single room in many cases up there. Um, you can imagine. How 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 stressful that can be, you know, living in 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 each other's pockets, essentially, like uh, you know, all squashed into to the same room above, and like uh, that's that's no way to live. And th- these people, you know, whether there's obviously direct provision centres in in Cork and in other places as well. And as I said, this is just the, like it's it's almost like you know, Besborough, and it's kind of like the new scandal. You know, we're, we're we were talking about modern baby homes. Uh, in the past, but this is this is our generation's version of that. I, 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 are, are I, I've there. said that before. Will in f- in future generations will there be inquiries into what happened, and will we as communities say we didn't know what was going on? And I, I don't think we can say we don't know what's going no, on because any time asylum seekers get the opportunity to to voice their concerns, they all have the same issues. Yeah, absolutely. Is it look? I mean, people. You know, turn a blind eye, or again, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, an inconvenient truth. You know, that's, that's out there under our noses. But um, as I said, look, I mean, the buck stops with with the government. Um, you know, they, they've failed to introduce any legislation uh, and and to, to to process these people. As I said, like if I was going to Australia or the states or wherever, you know, like you you you're you're you apply for asylum or whatever, and and your your application should be looked at and you know and 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 judged on that, like and. You know, if, if 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 there's a genuine reason for you to be allowed in the country, so be it, and let people get involved and you know try and find work and accommodation like like everybody else. You know, but as I said, the present situation is is just appalling. Like it's and then like for people, place. and and I know that this the same is in all of the asylum centres, including Clonakilty Lodge, for people who are granted asylum, they can't find alternative accommodation, and they end up having to remain in the asylum. That's it exactly. Yeah. As you know full well, like the, just the the whole housing crisis is uh, is absolutely appalling. Like, and again, I mean, yeah, but then we can't house our own, and I'm waiting for people to start saying that, Paul. That's true. Again, look, as I said, I mean, there's there's huge issues there with with the um, the, the lack of social and for, affordable housing being provided. Uh, I mean, look, we've we've had plans in Cork and the council going back for the last three or four years. Um, you know, for for new estates to be built in around Clannacilty, West Cork, and beyond, and again we're we're wait, waiting for Minister Owen Murphy and and his colleagues to to rubber stamp it and and to give the local authorities like Cork County Council the funding to to drive on and get these places built because 
there's absolutely huge stress that's being put on on everybody. Um, as I said, like every second phone call I get is is from people uh, trying to find rented accommodation or under pressure, or or the landlord is going selling their property and they're being forced to move out. Like so, it's it's absolutely appalling out there for everybody you know so Okay and as I say we have sent an email off to the Minister's office and uh, we are awaiting a reply in the meantime Paul thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us that is Sinn Féin West Cork Councillor Paul Hayes on that protest by residents of Clonakilty Lodge earlier this morning on gangs of teenagers and antisocial behaviour and says Patricia I cannot understand the attitude of the Gardaí they should get their names and addresses when they're known to be causing problems in an area and they should go to the parents and they should talk to the parents and if they don't resolve the issue then the teenagers and their parents should be charged and maybe and made to do a month of community work and if they refuse put them in jail for 48 hours something radical has to be done kind regards says Anne but we need to do something about these gangs of teenagers and their unruly behaviour and on the payment of the social welfare increase your five euro increase getting paid this week Texter says Patricia are the government going to change the way they pay the rise that they announce in the budget instead of asking people to wait six months for a fiver would they should pay it as soon as the budget is announced, says a uh, texter. And I know what always annoys people about that particular issue, and it never happens, it never comes in straight away, even though waiting six months seems excessively long. You know, sometimes it got paid maybe in January, a couple of months you were waiting, six months does seem an excessively long period of time. But if they put up anything the day of the budget, the old reliables for example, if they put on extra money on the cigarettes, if they put money on the drink, even though they haven't touched the drink now in a while, if they put money, if they put additional taxes on petrol or on diesel, that all goes up from midnight. They put, push the legislation through immediately for that, but it's never the same when it increases to people living on social welfare. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. Hi, this is Nick, and every afternoon this week, I've got special flexi tickets to give away for the Racing Home for Easter Festival at Cork Racecourse Mallow. You could be going along Friday the 20th, Saturday 21st, or Sunday, April 22nd. All you need to do is listen out for my special cue to call. And you could be heading off to Cork Racecourse Mallow. So join me weekday afternoons from 1. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Listen to C103 on your phone. Download the C103 app today. Go to the Google Play Store for Android or iTunes for iPhone and search C103 Cork. Download it today and listen straight away to C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And as I could have predicted when I was chatting with uh, Paul Hayes about that protest at the Asylum Centre in uh, Clonakilty, not everybody happy uh, with the direct provision centres. Sean Spillane in uh, Cork. So there we go again, putting illegal immigrants before Irish people. I'm sick of these PC liberals telling Irish people 
we need this diversity which has proven to be an absolute disaster wherever it is asylum my rear end it's not rocket science hashtag Irish at first and there was also a call in Mary in Castletown Roach says what I can't understand is giving all of these houses out to strangers coming into our area and then our own people not being able to get houses so then we get new people into the community who send their children to other schools or the local school does not benefit while our locals can't get a house I don't quite think that's on um, asylum seekers uh, thank you for your comment Mary 1850 Joe Heffernan joins me on this sunny Tuesday afternoon good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon Patricia and I believe we're 20 years doing this lot wow <laughs> and getting away with it sister. wow yeah <laughs> hard to believe we didn't get found out yet I know I'm <laughs> hard to believe and, and we still enjoy it every Tuesday yeah. now we have been talking for the last few weeks about anger and how to control control people's anger and at the back end of last week somebody said what about children and teenagers when they get angry and how difficult it can be for the parents to keep their cool as well which I take it is so important when a child is blowing off Absolutely. If there's two people blowing off, brought the adult and the child, well then, uh, nothing good is going to be the result of it. Um, so the thing is, like the the for parents, um, if a person can be loving and firm at the same time, well then, there's a hope of kind of teaching a lesson too that. Um, Anger is okay. We talked about that. Passive, aggressive, and assertive. And just as with adults, we'd be trying to get the child uh, to uh, be assertive about their anger. In other words, that is grand to feel angry. We all get angry. But it's like lashing out, um, hitting, or biting, or, um, uh, you know, being, uh, acting out on the anger is not okay. So what we're trying to do really like is to substitute the acting out to in the child to substitute uh, the uh, the action, the lashing out, the the shouting with words. Um the the kind of the the technical way uh, like with adults is we'll say the part of the brain the amygdala is the kind of the um, the reactive part, the sensing of danger, and then fight, flight, or freeze because there's uh, there's a threat. Now, the thing is that then uh, the the frontal cortex of the brain is the rational side. In a way, the amygdala is like the child, and the frontal cortex is like the adult, and the frontal cortex then has to kind of um, rationalize our, our um, yeah, like what's going on. Is there a real danger here or isn't there? Now, that all sounds very kind of uh, sciencey complicated, yeah. but it's as simple as this, like that um, we, we consider, we find some little way of putting a bit of um, thought uh, before we do the lashing out. And you see, um, if you have a child shouting and the parent shouting back, well, then there's nothing constructive going to come nobody, from that. Like, Yeah, nobody's getting anywhere. No, no. So, like, And you start this, you would say, from a very young age. 
Oh, absolutely. And and that like uh, the child needs to learn that um, that it's okay to feel angry, that there's nothing at all wrong with that, and that if they learn to talk about it, um, if they learn to to be able to say I'm so angry, um, and to find some way of of dealing with it without uh, d- doing. Uh, you know, possible damage uh, to maybe another child uh, or to him or herself, well, then we're we're winning then, like, um, uh, that we make the situation kind of as it were win-win, that we we, we, we kind of teach um, uh, problem-solving things. We'll say the child always gets very angry when the younger sister or brother takes the favourite toy. So, the um, the child might learn in a rational way, in a, in, a, in a talking way, to put the toy somewhere out of the little brother's or sister's reach. Um, if the child is uh, feeling threatened, say in school, by a bully... Um, he's going to be fearful and angry. They go together. And, you know, that if the child can talk at home about that he or she is um, feeling bad in school um, and that uh, they feel afraid, well, then they're, they're, they're winning because they're on the way. They are now um, to, um, to finding a solution. And and that's the whole thing, like that. Um, we're 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 trying to get the message across that there is a better way than the lashing out, the shouting, the tantrum. That um, uh, that, that, that there's a better result can be got um, by um, by talking uh, the thing out. And and I suppose like it's logical to say that there's no way that this is going to happen, like, overnight. Um, but there are a couple of things that we can do, and the first one would be don't shout. Like, if a person is in the habit of shouting at the kids, mm. uh, the lesson you're teaching is, um, this is the way to do it. Yeah, this it's it's, it's almost learned behaviour. Mammy's shouting, so I'm going to shout back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's like, um, you know, somebody admonishing the children not to smoke. And they smoking themselves. Meanwhile, smoking yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, so it's, the whole idea is is to, just, is to stay calm. When the when the, the whole idea is to stay calm. And if you as a parent, if we as a parent can, as it were, self-regulate. Now, the self-regulating is the frontal cortex talking to the amygdala. The self-soothe or the self-regulate is like, um, uh, you know, I'm the rational part of me is in control here. Um, I haven't lost the head. Um, I'm not just blindly lashing out, um, as we'll call it, losing our temper and um, uh, kind of, as it were, endorsing that method of, uh, of expression because that's what the child will learn. Um, so that, like, uh, 
if the child is angry and, and screaming and shouting and having a tantrum, well, if the parent is going to start screaming, shouting and having a tantrum as well, um, you know, that's just going to heighten the whole thing. And whatever fear or whatever threat that the child is feeling is now increased because not alone is it whatever it is that's um, uh, making the child angry, um, now uh, he has the perceived danger of his nearest and dearest adult um, shouting in a threatening way and uh, so he feels more threatened. Yeah, and I was in I was in a supermarket at the weekend and supermarkets are great places to see children have, have a meltdown and I, I actually watched two I was, and I wasn't staring at them but I happened to be at the checkout so I couldn't help but notice both, both parents. Uh, one was a father who just really was not reacting well to the child's meltdown. There was a little boy having a meltdown. You could see the father was getting more flustered and more flustered. So he literally manhandled the child out of the, you just like literally just grabbed him. The child was screaming as he was being taken out of the supermarket with everybody looking. And then there was another, this time a mother with a smallie having a meltdown. And she literally got down to the to the little fella's level and I, I contacted him and was Okay, tell me what's wrong. Let's talk about it. And her voice dropped and yeah. she straight away soothed this child. Yeah. And she got the child out of the situation and it was all, no, he was still a little bit sniffly and whatever, but everything was nice and calm. And then they left. And when I, when I went out of the supermarket, the father was at this stage trying to, still trying to get the child into the car seat. And he was in a state, the father was in a state, the child was in a state and was getting nowhere. Well, there you are. And there couldn't be two better examples yeah. of how to do it and how not to do it. Um, yeah, because uh, the, 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 that was so, you know, brilliantly described there that the mother got down to where she could make eye contact with the child and said, tell me what's wrong. Yeah, in a calm voice. And drop down the and, voice. And listen, I'm not saying, you know, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do if no. you're in a supermarket and there's a queue of people behind, behind you yeah. you're trying to get out you might have another child pulling out of you it's, but she, she just she was brilliant I just thought she was she really was fantastic because I smiled over to her and gave her the thumbs up to say uh, well done what about teenagers though Joe different kettle of fish well you see again uh, uh, you're dealing with a different type of, of, of anger I mean obviously more than likely, you're not going to be dealing with a tantrum. You're not going to be dealing with someone um, uh, crying and jumping up and down uh, kind of thing. But um, you could be dealing with uh, uh, acting out anger in uh, so many different ways. But the, the same kind of thing would apply, um, you know, to, to say, look, I, I can understand uh, that you're feeling really upset um, I can see that and there's nothing wrong with that except that we need to talk about it and like if you don't tell me what's wrong sure what, what can what can I do to be helpful and I want to be helpful now that would be a very um, nice logical uh, effective approach now, do we always do that? Indeed, we don't. I mean, I can think of a few incidents in my own parenting days where um, the 
the shout thing kind of uh, took over. It did. Um, but, you see, I, I, didn't, I didn't know then about all of this, of, um, you know, that there are better ways. And that is very helpful. I mean, just our awareness that there is a better way and that we are aware, like, of the passive-aggressive and assertive um, modes of anger. So that, like, we don't go for the pictures, no sound, the passive. We don't go for the... Um, uh, uh, well, I'm being extreme, throw the coffee cup off the wall, um, aggressive, slamming the door, um, and we go for the assertive, and we say, what's wrong? I'm here to help. I... I I'm on your side, um, but like uh, I can't, I can't help you with the problem unless I know what the problem is. So let's sit down and and talk it out. And remember, I'm absolutely on your side. Have no worries about that. And if there are things come up that maybe need to change, well then we'll talk about changing them. But you're under no. Um, danger uh, or threat uh, from my reaction. I, 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 I guarantee you I will not, um, uh, you know, lose the head. Mm. Um, but yeah. for, for teenagers, and I mean, it, you know, it's not going to be all teenagers, but for many teenagers, mood swings and, te- you know, not, as you say, not temper tantrums, but that the moody teenager it's part of growing up as as you're the parent, you're the adult. You just have to realize that, you know, this too will pass. Exactly. That this too will pass. And then have your methodology if things are out of hand. I mean, it doesn't mean that we're all understanding and everything. If uh, the young person um, is completely out of order. I remember a time. Um, we we had twin boys. We have twin boys. Thank God they're 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 fine lads. And um, uh, there was a, uh, there used to be a disco, or I don't know if it's still there, uh, over in Cullen, and it was on a Friday night. So I teenage can't disco. Now, hmm? A teenage disco. A teenage disco. Yeah. And I can't remember what the misdemeanor was, but anyway, the uh, the sanction about it was. You're not going to the disco. You're not going to the disco on next Friday night. Um, right. So now, there was a complete change in tone and in what was done. My God, they were the best. This is um, now, they were maybe, what, 13, 14, 13 maybe. And um, there was a complete change. There was chores being done around the house. <laughs> there was chores being done outside. Um Oh, there was... Uh, tr- Anything I can help you with. Perfect yeah. children. Yeah. And then it came to Friday. Yeah. And it was, um, Dad, we, we we can go to the disco? And Dad said, no, lads. No. Oh. Um, we agreed at the start, um, last Monday or whenever it was, last Sunday, whatever, um, that the disco was out. And, and, uh, and that's the, um, that's the way that's going to stay. There's always Friday night week, but no, this Friday night is out. Now, the change went back the other way then. <laughs> there was no children, nothing was done, silence, and I got the silent treatment, I got the passive anger, but we we got over it. And the, the, the lesson there was like that there are consequences to 
behaviour and that those consequences or sanctions or whatever one wants to call them um, are uh, once it's decided like it won't change so um, I I don't know did it do any great good. I I think it did, but um. But it anyway. also it also no means no. I mean, how many yeah. how many parents and we've all been guilty of that. You give in. Yeah. No, I, I actually, to be honest about it, I'd say I felt worse on the Friday night when they didn't go to the, the last bit. I know. Yeah, but I I thought no, don't um, you know, don't send out the message now that you can you can do the wrong thing and then you can kind of um. Uh, do a couple of right things and all is forgotten. Um, there's once it was said, the disco on Friday night is out, it stayed that way, even though the behaviour changed completely. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, we've got to leave it there. We'll talk again uh, next week. In the meantime, enjoy the fine weather, Joe. Thanks and thanks uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, good afternoon to you. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 029-76617. And by the way, Andreas Moynihan contacted us following our chat with Sinead, who was talking about the assault on her son and his friend, these young men in their 20s in Ballancolic and in particular was talking about Garda numbers and the Garda had said to her, contact your local TD and obviously Andreas Moynihan uh, represents that area. He has asked for more Garda resources for Ballancolic and this is before obviously the assault on Sinead's son. He was on a train though this morning so unfortunately he wasn't able to join us but John Paul tells me he's booked in to talk to us tomorrow on the programme so we will chat uh, further uh, about uh, that. And can I remind you that Ballyvorney and Ballymakira Tidy Towns, they're looking for volunteers for their annual spring clean and they're out every Saturday. They were out last Saturday, they're out again this Saturday, the 3rd of Mar- 30th of March and again the following Saturday, the 6th of April and they meet at the church car park refreshments afterwards for all the hard-working volunteers if you want to uh, help out please go do. That's where I leave you though for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock onto the Nam Patricia Messenger. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.